right, hey everybody, it's your girl Maya Kay with Keys to the Game. This season has been so lit. I'm so excited. I've had some dope guests on, some dope celebrity guests. But I always say we have gems right in our own backyard. Um, some of our greatest success stories are those people that we know that sit right to our right and our left. And I'm so honored to have this next guest on who is a Philly native. And of course, you guys know how I love putting Philly on the map. We had Ryan Olin as our first guest for season two. Um, one of my homies that I grew up with who's killing it in the acting world. And this gentleman that I'm bringing on has been killing it in the art world. And I personally think I had to even change his bio a little bit because he said he was an aspiring artist. And I'm like, no, you are an artist. You're not aspiring anymore. You're doing it. And so I'm definitely honored. His pieces have gone viral all over the Internet. Um, so I'm going to introduce him to you guys and then I'm going to bring him on. Mike Dowdy is an artist from Philadelphia, PA. He became widely known for his Philly family piece that went viral online. His artwork has been featured on Philadelphia's local news, including Fox 29, and was highly esteemed by A-list celebrities such as Will Smith, Kevin Hart, Patti LaBelle, Isla Iverson, and many more. His current mission is to inspire the world through his art. He's the owner and operator of MD Graphics Company, where he sells commissioned art and showcases unique pieces, typically speaking to the Black experience and paying homage to his hometown of Philadelphia. He's also been featured in several art shows and has been featured in the Philadelphia Tribune, Source Magazine, Raw Artists, and Water Ice, because we're from Philly, that's the way we say it, .com. As his pieces continue to make waves on and offline, Mike's desire is to continue to create art that speaks to the masses and influences conversation. And I actually get to call him my little cousin. So here he is, everyone, Mike Dowdy. Welcome to Kiss Today. Uh, thank you so much, man. That intro was everything else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so crazy because everybody has been saying that i think you're like my sixth guest for this season and everyone has been saying that and i think it's because i feel like it's great that you guys send me your bio but i i'm a writer and i think i in my own way it's like me paying homage to the person that i'm interviewing like let me kind of beef this up a little bit let me kind of introduce you to the world in a way where your bio does good but it doesn't in my opinion do you uh justice if that makes sense um which is a good thing um right um, so I'm happy to have you on. Um, there are three segments to my show, and the first segment is called In the News, and that's where I throw three news topics at you, and you kind of give me your opinion or your feedback. Um, and what I'm excited to actually talk about, because uh, we're both, uh, I don't know, there's some noise in the background when you're in. I don't know what that is. Oh, uh, you know what? It's the, let me, uh, let me pull to the side then. I'm thinking, I thought it wasn't even, would be a big deal, but let me pull to the side. Yeah, no, yeah, it's amazing right now. So one of the things, guys, as you're listening, listen, I know um, podcasts are one of the, the number one ways that we reach our audience. And often when I'm interviewing people, these are some really busy people, and I have to take the interview when I can get it. <laughs> so you may hear noise in the background, but people are driving, they're on their way to work or on their way to their next um, gig, whatever it is that they're doing. So, you know, forgive us in advance, but just know that we're interviewing people that are very busy and that have careers. Um, I, I apologize. I'm on my way to meet a, a rapper. And, yeah, um, I remember you. Tell them. 
Yeah, my, I'm sorry about that. Though. I just pulled over, and I, I I think I got time. So yeah, okay. we 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 good. We good. Okay. Okay. So, um, with the, the news segment, so the first story I wanted to talk about, I don't know if you know this, but the Philadelphia Inquirer, they actually created a new section to their paper that comes out every Sunday online and in print. It's called The Upside. And somebody was complaining about the lack of good news um, that existed. Um, and they actually believed that they had a uh, children um, who were, you know, committing suicide and different things like that. Just all of the depression that exists online. So one of the stories that I thought was so cool was this um, lady named Joyce Clements. After 21 years of trying, Philly native Joyce Clements earns her GED from South Jersey Community College. Um, she didn't know for for the longest. She's 64 years old. She didn't know for the longest why she couldn't like write her name and just having issues. And she found out that she was uh, that she had dys- dyslexia. Um, so talk wow. a little bit about that, about how amazing that is and how it's just kind of like never too late. Like, what's your opinion on that story? And she's from North Philly, so that's like a really big deal. Yo, that's 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 deep, man. Because th- when I hear stories about that, I think about like uh, faith. And faith is such a huge uh, thing to really take into consideration because like stuff like that, It even though you have disabilities and even though you have like setbacks and stuff like that, it's like really faith doesn't allow you to see that thing and it allows you to like just to push forward no matter how old no matter how uh far or how long it's going to take it really allows you to just keep going and make sure you get to your final destination so the fact that she did that she just believed in her it believed in herself so much to the point where she was like you know what i don't care about my, my disabilities i don't care about my late start i don't care about anything so that's like amazing to me that's yeah amazing that's really, really cool. And shout out to the Inquirer for even um, creating this section of the paper. And because it is a little tiring and depressing to always hear dark news. Um, so I'm, I'm here for it. Um, one of the other stories is Philadelphia based as well. Um, whenever kids need bathing suits, I don't know if you know this. And I didn't even know this growing up in Philly because when we would go to the pool, we went to the pool and whatever we had. But I always had a bathing suit. So apparently there's like this rule in Philadelphia with the recreation centers where you're not allowed to swim unless you have the proper attire. And, you know, when kids, they're just going in their shorts or, you know what I mean? It's not always like, quote unquote, swim attire. Um right. So there's 72 neighborhood pools in Philadelphia for our listeners who don't know. And so um, they host hundreds of thousands of visitors. And what I loved about this story was the director of the athletic center that's at 26 and master. Her name is Octavia Cherry. Shout out to her. She actually jumps on her bike, goes to Walmart. And the manager knows her very well because she actually buys uh, the children swim gear. And she uses her own money to make sure that they have bathing suits, trunks, swim safe diapers, towels, flip flops. I mean, everything you could think of. Um, and she's a 50 year old woman. She's killing it. And I think those are the people we want to recognize. So, I mean, what do you think of that? I think that's really big. Using your own money is like, that's a big deal. Yeah, especially with like the bathing suits. I mean, I mean, you know, you think about Philadelphia, you know, we're not the richest city in the world. You know, our people in the neighborhood, they, you know, they, they struggle, especially when it comes to attire and the clothing. You know, most of the kids in Philly go to public schools, you know, and most of those kids, they got on uniforms. And the reason why they got on uniforms, because some of those kids don't don't have their own, you know, they don't have that many, that much clothing. So especially bathing suits. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So like, I don't know. I don't know if. I don't see what the hindrance is. Like, if you come, if a kid comes in with jeans, with a bathing suit, 
I don't know, because it's like, what does a bathing suit anyway? What does it do? It doesn't, it doesn't really protect you from anything. It doesn't really do anything for you. I mean, I well, don't know. Well, I think what, what they're what saying is, um, so when a lot of them that show up in, like, say some of the little boys, they have the shorts, but they're, like, torn and they're kind of tattered. And it may not protect them, bathing suits and certain swimming trunks, but it, it does oh, affect boy. the pool. So, like, if a piece of a, uh, like, say a piece of uh, shorts gets ripped, and it goes into the drain. Like there are, I guess they've had problems like that before, and it does cause issues if it tears and it ends up in the um, you know, that little the pool duck, you know, that hole that they oh, have. Yeah. Like things like that have happened in the past. Um, and, and I honestly, it is true. I mean, I've been to pools even in, you know, theme parks or whatever, and you'll be surprised when people are cleaning stuff out what they find in those drains. So the whole idea is that if you have the proper attire, um, it kind of keeps everything safe and it allows them to be able to open the pools because they don't have to shut it down because of malfunctions, you know, all of that good stuff. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying. Sense. You're like, oh, well, what's the big deal? I get it because when we were growing up, it was not a big deal. I thought you could just kind of come to the pool, whatever you had. Um, but yeah, we I just love talking about good news. Um, all this week, you know, when I've had my guests on, we've all this month or whatever, I've had different stories, and I purposely wanted to like research stuff that was um positive. Um, so yeah, because you're kind of restricted with with time, I I'll just do two news stories, and then we'll just jump into your interview. Um, yeah, and then the last segment is the game segment, which is the fun part. Um, oh yeah, I love games. Yeah, it's, it's going to be deep. It's going to be good. So the first question I wanted to ask you is, why do you feel that art is a great way to speak to people and an audience of people? So, like, you know how they say, like, a picture is worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, I feel like, dang, like, what if you can actually communicate without using words? And art, first of all, art is everywhere. You know, man, no matter where you look, um, it's in our cars, you know, it's in our movies, it's in our, it's in our food, you know, the, the products that, that uh, store our food and stuff like that. So art is everywhere, but to have a message behind your heart, that's art, that's a little different. So for me, I love to do art, but I love to also speak to the people because there's something, there's like social issues and there is uh, so much things going on right now in the world where you can just actually make an image about it. And then people already understand it and you don't have to even use words and they already relate to it. So the fact that they can they can see something familiar and not have anything directly say it to them, that speaks that says everything because it shows that there is some type of common understanding about certain situations. So for me, I, I do sometimes I do controversial stuff. Yeah. And so for people so for people to like automatically understand what it is, it shows that there is a real problem in the world. So like if it's like uh, police brutality, if I do an image, you know, that's just uh, portraying that, it's like, man, it really speaks to the people and it shows that there, there really is an issue because no one would really say anything if it wasn't. So it, it really does like it really does help a lot to understand what, what we are in this in this in this, I guess, this era right now. So art plays a lot. of It plays a big role in a lot of things because it's everywhere and it, it really it speaks to the people. Yeah. And you know what? You're right. Because one of my favorite pieces by you and one of the pieces that I think speaks volumes is the birth of a nation piece. 
Um, and for those who don't know, and of course, I'm going to allow Mike to give you his website, his handle, so you can follow him and, you know, go and support his work. You know, it's basically a black man laying on the table chained with the flag coming out of him. Like he's really giving birth. Um, and I just think that it almost brought tears in my eyes. It's like, it's crazy how pieces can speak and resonate with you so deeply. And um, the other one that I really loved was the police brutality, which you were speaking to that with the officer and at the basketball court. And he has like uh, Mike Brown's head in his um, hand and it's like a basketball and it's just showing. And I'm like, it just speaks volumes. And I think you're right. It, it creates dialogue, which is something that, you know, I said in my bio about you, I believe your pieces influence conversation, even if some people were kind of negative about it. Um, I know one of your pieces you put up, which, you know, I, I remember DMing you like, child, don't pay them people no mind. But the one sure. where you were paying homage to, you know, the, um, I, well, I don't want to say drag, but, you know, the men who we love that kind of dress up as women comedians. <laughs> and you had like, you know, Medea, you had Eddie Murphy's character from the clump. Like, and people, and, you know, Martin, of course, that people were like, some people were a little annoyed by it. But the truth of the matter right. is, these, these people, I believe, um, whether it was, you know, whether it's Medea, um, Martin's characters, all the people that he played. I mean, we love them and we laugh about them. And I think sometimes people read too much into stuff when it comes to those characters. And we've, you know, we've heard all the negativity surrounding them. But um, you're right. Some of the pieces are controversial, but they create conversation. And I think that that's what art should do. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And it's just, you know, it's just kind of crazy, man, because, you know, you get people who love it and you get people that hate it. It's, it's, it's very interesting. It's, it's super strange because it's like when you, when you first do it, you think like it's nothing going to be nothing but love, you know, think that everyone's going to love it and it just gets a lot of pushback. So it is, it really is a conversational piece and, uh, and it's crazy. So I just can't wait to see what I come up with next and see if I can spark some, some more fire. Well, you know, Marvin Gaye said it, I think it was Marvin Gaye. He said true artists, um, I think he, and I could be saying it a little off, but he said like true artists suffer for the art. And it's so, <laughs> it's so true. Like we do, like when you are an artist in whatever capacity, me as a writer, you as a, you know, an artist, it's, you do suffer for the greater good of the art. And um, some people will get it and some people won't. But I want you to talk a little bit. You have a over 20K followers. And that was amazing to me to see. Now, we don't do what we do for numbers, but it was really cool to see you go from, you know, like four or 5,000 to 20K in just a matter of, what was it, like six months or something like that? Um, yeah, it was it was such a big deal. But I want you, uh, what advice would you give to up and coming artists who are trying to go viral or get celebrity attention when it comes to their work? All right, so this is like my lane because I, I love telling people uh, stuff like this because what I tell people, like I, somebody walked up to me the other day and they asked me like, what would you know, can you give me some advice? And I told them like, if you want to do art and it's for really anything, if you want to do anything to really build an audience and build something, um, to a larger extent, you have to do something that the world has never seen but done before. You have to do something that the world is waiting to see. So, like a lot of stuff, of my, a lot of stuff that I do, I try to do something that I've never seen it done before. Even though it may, it may be out there in, in somewhere, but I've never seen it done before. So, I try to be original as possible, and I try to be like just just make it really aggressive. And sometimes, if it, if it's not, um, 
if it's not a, a an aggressive piece, it's more it's more of a, a humorous piece. But it's something that we never seen done before. So I say create content that that you will want to see that hasn't been, you know that hasn't been put out there. That way, when people see it, they just be like shocked by it, and they'll just be in, in awe because it's like, dang, I've been waiting for something like this. It's almost like when you go see a movie, and you see all this, you see a movie over and over and over. And it's like every movie is the same. And so they come out with that one movie that is totally different. And they're just like, whoa, this is like what we've been waiting for. Because everything else has been dry and, you know, overshine and stuff like that. So I say create content that's like real exclusive, that's really different. And um, that speaks to the people and create create stuff, create something that's familiar to people. It's like some people try to be too deep and they try to just be all over the place, but create something that's familiar with people as well. That way they can connect with it. And, you know, that way they'll just already just be, they'll, un- they'll understand it more because if you create something that's too, too deep with like, not to, not to throw shade at anybody else, but like some people, they, they put like a third eye in it with all these words and all this, all this like different things. And I'm like, I don't really see the connection, like how this even makes sense. So for me, I try to give clues and give hints into the uh, image without using words and without using obvious, you know, symbolism, whatever like that. But I don't know, just try to create content that's like, that's familiar with people, but at the same time, that's different. Right. And one of the things um, I love that, excuse me, and I agree with that, you, um, you have a piece where you talk about the mothers who raised you and this kind of goes to what you're saying um yeah we had seen aunt viv before and i can't think of all the mothers that were in the piece forgive me but um we had seen these mothers before was it it was the mother from uh family matters it was the mother from yeah. the french prince and i can't think of the other person i think it might have been two other people. but who was that mm-hmm. it was miss parker it was uh yeah uh miss Right, 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 right. The Cosby. Okay. So going back to what you said, it's true. Um, one of the, I love that piece because it tells a story and it shows you at different um at different ages. And I think that that's really, in my opinion, the key to an artist being unique is to infuse your own story into whatever you're doing, um, because it kind of draws people in. You are your unique factor. You know what I mean? It's like who you are, and people being able to kind of tell your story or at least get a little bit more information about who you are through your art. And I feel like that piece definitely, you know, does that. Um, so talk about like some of the artists that influenced you growing up and why they were your, you know, your biggest influences. And it doesn't right, have to so, be artist who draws. It could be like whoever. Okay. Yeah. So like, I didn't really know that many artists growing up. All I knew was like cartoon characters. So like, I mean, like Dragon Ball Z was like my number one cartoon. Like, that's the reason why I even got started in drawing because of Dragon Ball Z doing, redoing those characters was everything. But as I got older, I, um, I went to, I went to all public schools, all neighborhood schools. And I went to, uh, I went to a school called Simon Gratz. And if you don't know about Gratz, Gratz is like a very public school where anybody can get in and anybody can get out and you can cut class and sneak people in and all this stuff. It's very public. Um, but yeah, one thing about Gratz, what they did for me, they flew me out to LA when I was in 10th um, and 11th grade for uh, during the summertime. And they allowed me to take a, uh, they wrote a letter f- uh, for me to take a uh, summer class 
at USC in California. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the classes I took at USC was graphic design. And I, you know, I'm from the hood. You know, I don't really know about graphic and design. Like, what in the world is that? So when they when they showed it to me, they showed me somebody's work. Well, he goes by the name of Shepard Ferry. And when I saw his work, I said, yo, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Because, like, when I saw his work, I was inspired. And I'm still inspired. Because a lot of people don't know who he is, but they know his work. He did the Obama Hope picture. Mm-hmm. And he has the clothing line Obey. So he is, like, he's, like, my role model. Like, he's the reason why I got into this. He's why he's like, I still go because not only does it do art, but he has a brand. And I feel like every artist should be working towards a brand. Because if you don't work towards a brand, you're going to be working for somebody else mm-hmm. probably for the rest of your life. You know, that way you have your own income, you have your own business, you have your own schedule, everything. And he is the man. He's like the blueprint. But he's not my favorite artist. He's like my role model. Right. But my favorite, my favorite artist is a guy named Naturell. We have this. We have similar um, styles when it comes to like, cause with my art, I do everything in triangles. Mm-hmm. He does everything in triangles as well. And it's like, it's like I want to say it's four or five artists that I know of that use triangles. And uh, but out of everybody, he is like my number one favorite artist. His name is Naturell, and he's just a man. I don't think he has a brand. But he's worked with Rockefeller, Jay Z, Rihanna. He he just been all over the world, man. It's just like this dude, his art, his content is just amazing. And um I'm just trying to be on that level one day. I feel you. Well, that leads me to my next question. Where do you see your art in the next three years? Two to three years. All right. So like I said, every artist should be working on a brand. So for me, I'm working on my brand. And I'm working on it's the brand is called Caveman. Uh, it's called Caveman because we make fire. So like I'm really it's going to be like a motivational um, br- uh, brand, and it's going to uh, include art. So like um, I just want to start this thing and have it going. I got my I'm buying equipment to uh, to really push it forward, and uh, hopefully it can be some million dollar brand one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to partner. I got ideas for Nike. I want to partner with Nike. I got stuff that I've never seen Nike do before. It's like when I say I really want to create content that I've never seen done before, like I got ideas for Nike. I got ideas for Adidas that I've never seen them do before. And it's just like, man, this is like an awesome opportunity. So right now I'm just building on um, getting in contact with these people because my, my circle is becoming real. It's coming, it's becoming bigger. So I already got connections to Jordan brand. So right now I'm just trying to push it closer to actually like Nike. I know Jordan's within Nike, so if mm-hmm. I can get in with their closer, I can just get directly to Nike and at um, least partner with them, do a proposal, whatever like that. But I just want to create a brand and just keep pushing and just keep pushing. I'm working on another viral piece right now. I'm working on just like how the Philly piece, I'm doing the L.A. version. And uh, it's going to be crazy. Like, I just hopefully, yeah, so, like, the L.A. version is just going to be, crazy because instead of doing like one picture i'm gonna do three pictures it's gonna be 120 people and um I'm, but i'm only showing 40 people on social media and i'm trying to get it to the ellen show because you know the whole thing about these city pictures is it goes viral because who's not in it so i'm literally i'm literally gonna leave out a few people and if i get on the ellen show 
I'll be able to show the rest of the people on TV. So hopefully okay. I can get through there. Yeah. Listen, so listen, a man with a plan. And I think it's so I love your vision and I love that you know exactly where you're trying to go. So for all the youth who listen in or, you know, even adults, I think that you have to understand what it takes to build a brand. And also this for um, I interviewed uh, supermodel Lyris Cross a few weeks ago from a project runway and we were talking about how parents have to learn how to cultivate whatever their child's passion is instead of looking at it like oh you shouldn't be doing that you shouldn't be doing that um and one of the things i i believe is that you could start anywhere like you were in 10th and 11th grade when um your school flew you out to la and you were at usc and that's a big deal so even when i meet um students and, and young people and they say they're not sure they're too young i'm like you're never really too young you don't have to wait till you're 21 22 to be like okay this is what i want to do with my life um and i love that you're very clear on exactly where you're trying to go you have a plan you're being strategic about it um so that right there because the podcast is called keys to the game is is a key you know so many people who come to me for coaching even with writing you guys have to understand how important it is to be strategic um you know leaving people out of a picture on purpose is a strategy that that gets people attention that makes people say well why you ain't put so-and-so in you know it riles people up but it also gets people attention in a good way and so if, if, if there's anything you take from what he said it's you know it's important for you to have a clear vision but also to have a strategy behind it and your strategy may not actually be like this straight and narrow what you think you know what i mean it's always something that you have to figure out that'll you know get somebody's attention so i love that i love it it's pretty yeah cool. i cannot i want to say i'm super hype i'm just super super hyped. i just been working on like a lot of side projects and um because i'm working with uh one of the actors from uh the new movie the new master p movie i got the hookup mm-hmm. so like we might be i'm do- i might be doing the merch with that and i'm doing a couple other side projects and uh, so hopefully I can get this LA done. LAP is done super fast. I want to drop it in the summertime, and I already got a third done already. So like I already got one part done. I just got to create two more parts. But yeah, I got the vision. Hopefully I can just uh, make it happen. So how do you hone your craft? Like you know, you you're a great artist. You're phenomenal at what you do. But I always say, even me as a, a, a author, I'm still teaching. I mean, learning and honing my craft i don't look at it like i've learned all that i have you know need to learn i gotta keep growing keep making sure that i'm on top of the not trends but just knowing what's going on in my industry so how do you hone your craft do you take classes do you read books like what do you do i just uh, i like to keep up with the times i like to make sure that i'm up to date with certain situations so like when there is uh i say like a new movie coming out like maybe you know like for instance like there is uh like uh, Marvel just came out, you know, so it's like, man, that's like really, really big right now. I could do an image around that, and uh, I'm sure that would go far somewhere. It's just keeping up with the times, making sure that you're up to date with what's going on in the world. That way, you don't lose connection with the people. You don't lose connection with, with you know, with what matters to people, and um, just keeping up with the times. I, and I, I still study like my some of my favorite artists, like see what they're doing. And, um, you know, because everybody has the answers. And I heard someone say this, like, there's nothing wrong with being a copycat as long as you follow the right cat. So for mm-hmm. me, like, I really, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, literally copy. But I, I believe we do all live under principles. 
And I feel like, man, if you follow the same principles that somebody else is like implementing in their lives, you, you're bound to make it because, you know, principles are there to, to work for you. So the principle of working hard, that's going to work for you. So like, I see how hard, you know, some of my artists, my favorite artists are working. I just need to see what areas they are working hard in. That way I can go into the same field and be like, you know what, this is where I need to be right now to actually put in the work. So just, just making sure that I'm up to date what's going on and make sure that I'm putting in work in areas that really, that's going to matter. And, right. Uh, and just, yeah, and make sure like, and making sure like who's trending, I guess, like, um, and make sure that, you know, trying to get out to that person, see how, you know, I, I can keep it, I can reach that person. So like, like I said today, like I'm, I'm reaching out to, uh, I'm going to be meeting a rapper. I got to make sure this rapper is like, I don't want to be wasting my time. So I got to keep up, you know, do my research on this person, that person. So, uh, just keeping up with the time and make sure everything's legit. Okay. So, um, as a, you know, an artist and I ask people this question who are in entertainment in any way, shape or form, because it happens. Um, I've dealt with depression, battled depression, and I'm thankful to God that I've overcome anxiety. Um, and yeah, I think it's definitely something we have to talk about. One of the things Taraji P. Henson is now doing, she's using her platform to be a voice for people who suffer with any type of mental illness, which, you know, for me, I think it's kind of a little heavy to put depression and anxiety under that, but I understand it does go under that. And she talks about the amount of children who are even thinking and actually, um, going all the way and and committing suicide. So as an artist, I believe that we deal with like a little bit, I don't want to say extra layer, but I think it's a little easier for people who are in the arts in any way, shape or form um, to get depression because we kind of uh, deal with the whole different side of our brain. Um, When when things aren't going well, pieces aren't selling, books aren't selling, whatever it is. I just think that we are, it's it's a little different for us. However, I don't claim anything because I know who I am in Christ. But I wanted you to kind of address that as a black man. And it may not even have anything to do with your art. You are a black man living in Philadelphia. It's very tough to be a black man when you think about police brutality and different things. So um, has there ever been a season in your life where you were just in a dark place, where you were depressed um, or just suffering from anxiety or anything and kind of walk us through that? And if you can give some advice to another young black man out there who may be dealing with depression, um, do so. Yeah, like depression is like heavy right now. I think I don't think it's anyone out there right now who hasn't and isn't dealing with depression in some form, you know, either out of fear or out of whatever it is. Somebody's dealing with some type of depression. So like for me, I do deal with depression. I do experience depression quite often, really, because sometimes, you know, because I believe that depression is just the absence of hope. You know, because it's like, man, if you're full of hope, then what's the point of being depressed? You you have insight, you have vision, and it's like, man, sometimes you can lose hope in what you're doing because, yeah, you might go, you might go viral, you might go this, you might go far, you might make some money, but it's like, what in the world is next? Because hope always looks towards tomorrow, so it's just mm-hmm. like, what in the world is what is next? So it's like, a lot of people get depressed because they don't have any. They're they're losing hope, and they're losing hope because they're losing vision. So if you lack vision, it's hard to have hope because you have hope in something that you can see that isn't there yet. So, you know, a lot of people get depressed because they start to, they don't see what's happening, but they don't see what's next. 
and therefore their faith, their faith walk becomes a little, you know, they stumble because it's like, dang, if I'm walking towards, if I'm walking in faith towards my hope and vision, you know what I mean? And I, and I, if I don't have that anymore, it's like, what am I walking towards to? That's like, that's like almost saying game over. Cause it's like, if I'm, if I'm no longer walking, there's no point of living. And a lot of people do take their lives. Like, like I had experienced somebody, one of my old coworkers, he just took his life, man. And it's just, a, it's just a point of having normal hope. And it's just like a lot of people experience this. Like, but I think the key to it is just like understanding that everything is a season. Yeah, there's a season of ups and there's a season of downs, but they never stay the same. And you can always look forward to like, dang, I know I'm in the dirt right now, but how can this, how can this stay the same? It can never stay the same. You know, it can never stay the same because there's always a way out. I can't imagine a person being in a hole and never being able to get out. Because when you become desperate and you have hope to get out, Yo, you you make a way. You start building steps that ain't that's that's not even out of material that wasn't meant for steps. You know what right. I mean? So you build, you make a way. You make a way. So I feel like you know the, the key to the coming out of depression is just like yo, remembering, like like I had a vision, and that vision is going to work. Like I see something that's going to happen. So just understand that it's it's, it's never a set thing. And it's always, it's really literally, and not to be cliche, but there literally is a tomorrow. Yeah. So it's never going to, it's never going to be the same. So, you know what? I love that. And it leads me to my next um, question because, you know, both of us are believers. And I want you to talk about, which is actually my focus for this podcast, is reminding people in our youth that the key to the game really is to keep Christ at the center of it all. Um, so talk about how important it is for you to keep Christ at the center of your life. And even, um, cause you're in your twenties, right? Yeah. So I want, yeah. So I also want you to talk to, uh, when you talk about that part, just kind of give young men out there inspiration. I think that our generation tends to, even though I'm a little older than you, but they tend to think that following Christ is boring. Um, right. so yeah you know, speak to how important it is for you to keep Christ at the center of your life and then talk to, you know, that young guy out there who thinks it's like giving something up when you give your life over to God. Yeah. So like, I think right now, a lot of people, they look for like, I would say worldly things to make them happy. And it's just like, you know, a lot of people, you know, they do drugs, they, you know, smoke weed, uh, you know, they drink a lot, whatever like that. And really they do those things. They do those things to, you know, escape in a way, because at the end of the day, it's like, if you go to go, you know, go hang out with friends, you know, and you smoke and you drink and all that stuff, really, you know, if you don't smoke and drink, you're still going to have the same encounters, you know, from with the same people, because it's like, okay, after you smoke and drink, you're, you're still going to just talk and have fun. Okay. But you don't have to, you don't have to drink to do that. So I just went, I went to, last night, I just went out with a couple of friends. We went to, uh, we went to go do karaoke. Now, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do any of that stuff. It was like, dang, like, here I am as a Christian, and I'm still having fun out here. And I'm really doing what I, you know, I'm really, I'm really out with friends right now. We don't have to do any of that stuff. So for me, like, I don't really, and I'm, I'm realizing, like, we really don't need, like, the worldly things to make us happy. 
Because at, at the end of the day, only Christ can really satisfy a man's heart, a person's heart, a hundred percent. And uh, I heard a I heard a Christian rapper say, you know, if you want to grow in God, it's not complicated; it's just costly. You got to just spend yeah. that time. You got to spend that time. So he's just like, man, like yeah, like being with Christ isn't easy at all. Because just like any relationship, it's not easy because you have to spend time with that person. You have to really commit to that person. So like being with Christ isn't easy, but you know being with the bottle, you know that might be easy, but happiness should never come with side effects. Cause that bottle, you might wake up tomorrow feeling super depressed. You know you might smoke that weed and feel super down the next right. day. And uh, but it should never. But how in the world can you be with Christ and be super down, super depressed? You can't be. Um, but at the end of the day, you know I I, I say this. I, it's like a model I live by. The best evidence is self-evidence. If you don't believe it, if you want to know if it's true, I say you'll go after it yourself. If you really try it and really see if he is the one that he says he is, because how did he work? How in the world he's going to make a promise and not fulfill it? He said, "Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest." So if yeah. he's making that promise, let me try him out. Because if you're looking for rest and you're looking for happiness, you know why not go to the person who says, "I got the answer." You know, because the the bottle doesn't promise your happiness, and 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 you know, and the weed doesn't do that either. So right. it's just like, man, happiness should never come with a, a side effect. And Christ will only, you know, fulfill a person's heart because everyone is looking to be happy right now, and they just don't know where to look. Right. Um, you know, I love the two things that you said. You said that um, the hap- happiness shouldn't come with a side effect, right? Um, and then you said that following God isn't complicated, it's costly. Um, and I think that the the one thing I do want to correct you, which you said, with all due respect, you said that how can you be depressed if you have Christ? Well, we, we, you can, um, I think that the key is that you can't stay depressed when you have Christ. And, And that's where it's different. And I only wanted to correct you there because, um, I do think for years the church tried to make it seem like, you know, that was impossible. It's like, no, you you guys have to talk about depression in the church. You have to talk about suicide in the church because it happens. And there are people, um, there was a pastor out here in California who committed suicide. And I mean, the whole body of Christ was floored. You know, it was like, what? Like, you know, they couldn't believe it. And I said, so the the thing is, you can experience depression as, as a Christian Paul. Paul had depression. David had depression. If you read through the book of Psalm, you'll, you'll see that. But the thing is with Christ, it's impossible for you to stay depressed. Um, right. So I just kind of wanted to, you know, just kind of clear that up because I don't want people to listen in and think like, you know, it's like, no, we can. Um, but the thing right. I love about what you said about the costly thing, um, when I think about young people and you, you being 28 and, and whoever is listening, when you're a millennial um, or even a teenager, my thing is, I feel like our generation thinks that you can have success in any area without paying a price for something. And so it, with that Christian rapper said, it's true. God, following God and having a relationship with God is not necessarily complicated, but it's costly. And that's not just with God. That's with anything in life. I think this generation is so screwed up in thinking that you can have a successful marriage, successful career, successful whatever, without paying a price. Like it, right. you got to sacrifice to be whole. You know what I'm saying? You got to sacrifice to have a sound mind. That may mean sacrificing some music or some TV shows you watch. Like 
everything is going to come with a cost. And I think that right. that's where, and that's why it was so powerful that you said that it's not about marriage necessarily being complicated or, you know, pursuing a career in Hollywood or in any industry is complicated. It's that people today, a lot of people, not just millennials, think that they can have success or do these things in these different areas, finances, whatever, without sacrificing it, without paying a cost. And I just think that that's crazy. It. So shout out to whatever rapper. Who was the Christian rapper that said that? Because you know I listen to All right. That's Andy Minio. Okay. Love him. Yes. Like, it, and it's so true. So I'm so glad you're dropping these gems and these keys for people. Um, But I really love that you said, and I, I hope I'm saying it right, the happiness doesn't, shouldn't have a side effect. Say that again. I'm sorry, because I think I'm screwed happiness, happiness shouldn't come with a side effect. Right. Shouldn't come with a side effect. And so it boils down to, you know, people who want to do drugs or they turn to drugs rather and turn to alcohol. It's like, yeah, but it, it's costing you something that ends up hurting you in the end. Um, I also think it's a patient thing. So so in other words, if I spent years, you know, um, feeding myself a bunch of junk, you know, whether it's music, TV shows, alcohol, dr- whatever. It's like if I decide to clean my life up, if it took me 20 years to dig that hole, it may not necessarily take 20 years to get out, but it's going to take some time. And I think that's the other challenge that we're faced with in today's society is the microwave, you know, thing. People expect things to happen quickly. And it's one of those things where it's like, no, you have to be patient with your healing. You have to be patient with your, you know, trying to get out of debt. You have to be patient with all of these things. And I think people give up on um God too easily. So I didn't mean to go off on my soapbox, but I just love some of the things that you said. Um, and I just think people give up on God too easily. They're expecting like a miracle the next day, and it's like, no, this thing takes time. So definitely takes time. You got you got wait. You know what they say for the sixes? Trust the process. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um. So you actually said that I was reading one of your interviews. Um. And you know. I just have like one more question, but I was reading one of your interviews that you said your favorite rapper was Meek Mill, but it had nothing to do with his music. It had everything to do with his process. Um, and I kind of feel the same way about uh, Nicki Minaj. I don't listen to her music at all, um, but I actually fell in love with her a few years ago, just watching her progress in um I was watching something on VH1 and she was just talking about her family and her upbringing. Um, and even, you know, she talked about God and I know people want to judge and they say, how can she be a whatever? But I, I just saw her growth in that season. Now, now I can't really speak to it, but um, just talk a little bit about that. I think that um, we have to start looking at celebrities as humans and understanding um, that they just want to grow like all of us. They don't want to have these bad stories out there about them. So talk a little bit about, you know, Meek Mill being your favorite rapper and that the whole idea is because yeah, of um, Yeah, uh, I think that Meek Mill, like, just seeing, like, just seeing his overall story, which is everything to me, like, you know, because when, when he first started, he was doing, like, the videos of him freestyling, you know, in front of, in, in his neighborhood and stuff like that. And when I say this dude, man, I've seen this dude come from the nappy braids Mm-hmm. To the you know nappy braids to the waves, you know what I mean. So it's just like you see his whole story, and his his story is like his story is a story of literally becoming a champion, like coming from the dirt and becoming to you know you know to the field to really just winning and just experiencing victory. And it's like dang, like that is a testament of what hard work, dedication, 
great content can get you. Yeah. Cause it's like, man, he really put in work. He mastered his craft. He found a lane for himself to really go far. And he pushed, he pushed. Because there was times where I'm thinking like, dang, Meek ain't going to never make it. It's mm-hmm. like, what in the world? It's like, you know, it, it's like a lot of people from Philly don't get put on. Because yeah. it's like he had the opportunity with T.I., you know, and that went left. And I'm like, dang, like, if you don't get in with T.R., then who, you know, it ain't going to Right. Yeah, it's like, well, dang. But then he kept going. And they say, you know, he found Rick Ross. <laughs> and just like, what in the world? This dude made it. When you thought that, you know, other rappers from Philly, like Reed Dallas was going to make yeah. it, like, no, you can see, you see them dudes, they're going to make it. And they don't make it. But the fact that Meek really pushed really allowed himself to really just go out there, man. He he got to be the king, the king of rap for Philly, man. So it's just, you know, just looking at those key elements in, in a person's life and be like, dang. Um, yeah. I feel you. Yeah, everything. I, now, I love Meek, but I am a little biased because he wasn't okay. necessarily the first. No, no, I'm just, I'm just going, you know, he wasn't the first to actually do it. You know, my cousin is Cassidy. And of course I have to kind of, we got to remember the triumphant story that he had um, as well. Um, because I was in high school and so was he when he got signed to Rough Riders. Um, and, and yeah, there was some things that kind of happened along the way, but you know, he definitely put out several successful albums. Um, and he also still kills the battle rap scene and makes quite a good living off of that. Um, and not to mention, I mean, we had to remember like Cassidy had the um, the first artist to go platinum with just his ringtones, <laughs> which is so funny to me. But, you know, I'm just pointing out those things as a Philadelphian just to say, like, um, I love Meek and I love what he's doing. Um, but I, I, you know, my whole thing is like, he wasn't necessarily the first kind of one to get put on to a major label and to continue successfully. Meek definitely has the bigger name though, but I, I'm just saying, I'm just a little biased, just a little bit because that's okay. my blood. <laughs> just, I mean, he's my blood, you know, I gotta kind of be like, you know, and that's not, um, like, cause they have beef or anything. I'm just saying like in, in hindsight, um, I definitely feel like, um, Cassidy, you know, definitely had his thing going for his himself and you know did get signed to a major label and i think a lot of what happened had to do with his label more so than anything with him um but i also um wanted to point out who i thought was gonna be really big because they were with such a big label like when you mentioned ti i really thought state property was gonna be like everything or at least like beans you know what i'm saying like i was right. like what the heck happened here like you guys were with one of the top labels in the industry what happened um right. so yeah that's like a little philly rap thing that we putting on y'all listeners but yeah i just had to kind of shout out my cousin um so if you this is the last question before our game segment but if you could go back in time and meet your younger self what would you ask or I ask him. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what I would tell. Him. I'll tell that boy start earlier. <laughs> I would mm. tell him start. I would tell him start earlier, man. But what I would ask him, I would ask him, um, what's holding you back? I guess you know what's holding you mm-hmm. back. Yeah. You know, cause it's like I, I you know, cause like I started when I, like I said, I started in high school. I got, I was introduced to graphic design in high school. But I didn't start until two years ago. 
I think it was fear. And I'm going to tell you why. I remember when I would talk to you at church and I would always, you know, try to like drop some gems or pour into your life. And I always felt like it was fear. And I never, and here's the thing, I had never even seen any of your artwork to even be saying, yo, you better do it. I see your talent. I had never even seen an art piece from you, but I knew what you wanted to do. And I think what I saw was a logo. I think you had did someone's logo. And Uh I was just like, you can do this. Like, I don't know what's going on, but you got this in the bag. So just for me, I think it was um, fear because we used to talk about it all the time. And that's why when you when you you did your your pieces and I saw you you know you had everything up and going your website I was so proud to see you move forward simply because you know there have been so many conversations prior to that. Yeah, so like definitely definitely um fear could definitely uh, probably played a part into it. But I think that probably like the one thing that that really played a part for me, man, was just lack of vision. Like, cause, you know, you you when you talk about art, a lot of people don't. A lot of people, don't, the conversation isn't really there when you talk about art because art isn't really like a career to really go off of. You don't really know too many artists, like especially mm-hmm. successful artists. So like, how in the world do you actually make money doing this? It's, it's so it's super like yeah. unknown almost. So for me, it was just a lack of vision because I couldn't see myself making money. I couldn't see myself actually doing it. But then when I got more information, like, oh, snap. And I got a friend who actually is big right now. He did the Childish Gambino video. And I'm like, I see this dude winning. I'm like, what in the world? You an artist? So you can win. I can win. Like, if you, if you artist, like, I saw the vision. Once I started seeing him winning, I'm like, oh, this is possible. So now I say, yo, when I do it, I'm going to give it 110%. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, fold or, you know, I'm not going to hesitate. I'm really going to push forward until I see success. And I literally told my friend, I said, yo, I'm going to go in and I'm not backing out. So, like, when I started doing it, yo, like, in uh, my first, I would say, four months, whatever, like that, I won an award for, like, best artist. Um, I got uh, a Big Daddy Kane shouted me out. And it was just, like, all this crazy stuff. And then, like, two or three months after that, I just went, I had my first viral picture. And that's just what, that's in with seven months of starting so it's just like man if i would have known that this was this could happen i would have been started so it was just like i didn't really see how far i can go so my teachers told me i can go far but they never showed me like what you know the details so yeah, i just i just didn't understand it that's cool. That's cool. And so you would have asked him, you know, what's holding you back? And you said you would have said to him, start earlier. So I think that's a gem and a key within itself for everyone who's listening in and you're waiting to start. It doesn't matter your age or where you're from. I mean, both of us are from Philadelphia. Um, and I never would have thought I would have taught in Korea or would, you know, have written books with celebrities or whatever, you know. So um, I think it's important just to kind of the vision part is so key because you've mentioned vision so many times um, in our conversation today. And it's, it's key. You have to have a vision. And even if you're young, you know, ask somebody what that looks like. People are doing vision board parties for kids, you know, teenagers. Um, they're hosting workshops. And I think those things are, are really important and they play a big role in you being able to visualize where you want to go. Um, so I, I, I'm going to get in your business real quick and then we're going to play the game. Um, 
Because it's just what a big cousin would do. So what's up with you on the personal side? Are you single? Like, are you just oh, like yeah. working on your brand? Like, what's up? Oh, yeah. So like, you know, you know, my mom, she owns a daycare right now. Uh-huh. And uh, so those daycare kids are like birth control for me right now. So <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I look at those kids. I'm like, man, I can't, I can't let this be, man. I got friends who got kids and I'm like, yo, we should go out. And be like, I gotta get a babysitter. I'm like, right. Dang, what in the <laughs> world? But it's one, your one thing that I would never forget, man. I was watching. I, th- I believe it was the uh, four, um, okay. the singing competition, yeah. and there was a guy on there who can sing like crazy, and he was he was older, and it was asking him why did you why why are you going for this now? Like why didn't you go earlier? And I would never forget this, man. He said that the reason why I'm starting now is because I had a daughter and I had to make sure that she finished high school first. And I'm like, yo, man, doc, I can't let that be me to the point where I'm letting other things, not saying like his his daughter was a hindrance, but at the same time, you got to take care of your family. But man, if you had a choice, I I would have waited. I would have yeah. waited to really start a family and start that stuff because I'm really focused on one thing right now. I really focus on winning. And I know I can win, you know, two heads are better than one, but I'm doing good right now on my own. So um, I, don't, I don't know if I need that extra hand because um, as far as like an intimate hand, but I got friends and people around me that's really helping me. But right now I'm playing a solo. I'm, 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 I'm solo right now. And um, I don't know if any, if anything comes out. I'm actually going out with somebody today. Somebody asked, oh. somebody asked me out. Yeah, somebody asked me out. So I'm actually going today. Oh. Did, did yeah, they slide so, up in your DMs? Huh? Did they slide up in your DMs? Yo, no, they actually saw me at an art show. And it was like, yeah, she was like, yeah, I follow you on Instagram. She said, you know, you, you want to go out and stuff like that. So yes. I'm like, yeah, cool. yes. so I'm like man. What's the weather in Philly? Oh, uh, the weather is sunny. Taking a Spruce Street Harbor Park. Taking a Spruce Street Harbor Park. That's that's where you go. No, I don't know, but I love Spruce Street Harbor Park. I think it's a great date scene. Like, oh, I ain't never been there, Eve. I gotta check it out. Is that the one with You've all never the lights? Spruce Street Harbor Park. Oh my gosh. Uh. Me and my mom went. It is so cool. Um, I'm talking about date, but me and my mom went. It, it was. It's so much fun. Like they have um, like trucks, food trucks, but there's like little games. You stop and you can play games. It's right down where the water is, but it's right off of what is it like? Right off of Spruce Street, but it's down like 36 or something like that. And I could be giving okay. you the wrong, but if you Google Spruce Street Harbor Park, like we did boat, like we uh did boat rowing, uh, we was playing ping pong, the food was good, then they wow. have hammocks. They have like hammocks. So it was like couples laying in the hammocks. Um, but it's real, it's really, really cool. I think it was the greatest thing Philadelphia did for like just doing something with their family. I mean, it was kids there with their parents. Um, but I loved it. I, I, somebody told me about it who had went on a date. And I was like, what is Sprucey Harbor Park? Um, so it's dope. It's pretty dope. And it's, it's a bunch of other games and stuff. We didn't play everything. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have to Google that. Well, yeah, um, was- damn, that sounded sound amazing. 
Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> so, so let her know that I had her back. Go to Spruce Alright, so now it's the game segment of the show. Um, I usually ask about 10 questions and then I'll pray us out and then that'll be it. Um, and so because we're from Philly and I just thought this would be so much fun. Um, I literally found some of the greatest questions about Philadelphia. Some of this stuff I didn't even know. Um, but I'm going to start with who threw the final? I'm not going to time you either. I, I timed my first person, but I'm not going to time you. Um, who threw the final pitch of the 2008 World Series? If you need a hint, I can give you a hint. Oh, yeah, throw me that hint. That's bad. It's baseball. <laughs> I had no clue. You know, it's so, <laughs> you know, it's so crazy. Yeah, if I hadn't looked this up, I wouldn't know either. Um, so, okay, his first name starts with a B and his last name starts with an L it was the guy who dropped to his I don't know if you remember I actually remember that moment um where I guess he had caught the ball or whatever and he dropped to his knees and then like everybody just went crazy um his nickname say it again yeah 2008 his nickname is lights out Uh, let me try that is it Brian no, it's Brad Lidge. But listen, I, it's de- uh, don't even stress because when you said you don't even do uh, baseball, I was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, okay, let's try this next one. What won't you find at the Redding Terminal Market? You won't find chitlins. That is true, but the answer is you won't find a Starbucks or a pink berry or any other big national chain. And did you notice that? Like no, for, I for our, wow, yeah. It, it, so uh for our listeners, the Redding Terminal Market is the best place you can go um when you're visiting Philly as a tourist. It's it's very homey, um, very intimate. A lot of little shops that are owned by mostly families. Um, like they have the Amish shop in there. Me and my mom get our chicken apple sausages from there. Um, but it's historical. It's very historical. It has a lot of history in it, but it, it's not a place where you'll ever find like a national chain. And I think that I didn't even realize that I don't like Starbucks anyway, but I didn't realize that, you know, they don't have national chains in there. And it's so true. It's all wow. like home, home mom and pop places. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going I'm to look for it next time I go. I'm like, wow, where McDonald's at? Yeah, you definitely going to find a McDonald's here. Okay. Which <laughs> of the following holidays was invented in Philly? Which are the following holidays? Yeah, so they don't... Okay, so which holiday? It shouldn't say following. Which holiday was invented in Philly? It really shouldn't say following because it didn't give a multiple choice. But I would, I would say Valentine's Day. No, it was Mother's Brother Day. Mother's Day? Oh, that's Mother's Day was invented in Philly in 1908, but gained federal recognition uh, in 1914. I didn't know that either. Oh, it's Valentine's Day because it's brotherly love and all that stuff. Yeah, but how often do you see the brotherly love? Like, come on, let's be for real. I mean, we want it. And I love this question because I know what you're probably going to say. You can eat a giant one of these during Philly's annual July 4th celebration. Uh, You already know that good old cheesesteak. It's not though. I knew you were going. It's the hoagie. You know how, you know how uh, Wawa gives out the the hoagies. 
It's a traditional part of Philly's July 4th. You know how Wawa Wawa does the American celebration? Yeah, the Hoagie Fest. Well, I don't know if that's the Hoagie Fest. It's just, no, the Wawa Welcome America celebration. Oh, okay. Damn, that is so short. Yeah, yeah, I was too. When I first read that, I thought it was cheese steak, and then it was like, so you know, like in the Independence Visitor Center, they they literally bring bring a giant hoagie, and like people can get a piece of the sandwich for free. Like it's a yeah. large hoagie. It's pretty dope. Um, okay, this one. All right, Septa has eight lettered bus fruits, but this isn't one of them. C. The C. Z. Oh, Z. I was about to say, yeah, and you know the C run down Broad Street, even though they changed it. We know the C. Y'all about to say the C not there no more. Yeah, I know, they changed it. But actually, it's no M. We don't have an M. No M? Right. Oh, what? Right, like, really? Wow. But it's crazy because you'll say no M, Rue, but I'm like, if it only has eight-letter bus routes, then M isn't the only one. <laughs> Like yeah, right. Like right. But I just yeah. thought right, right. I thought it was kind of crazy. Um oh, this is a good one because it's recent. Where did an estimated one million people gather to hear Pope John Paul II speak? Oh, well, this was actually not recent. <laughs> During his 1979 visit to Philly. I'm sorry, oh, I thought this yeah, I thought this was the more recent um uh, visit. So if you say that one, it's fine. If you give the answer for the other one, I didn't even see the year when I put this one here. <laughs> it was like 19... Ben Franklin Boulevard, right? The art museum or the uh, for... cathedral, but uh, the I think I don't forget. I think it's like Ben Franklin or uh, Ben Franklin Parkway or uh, Boulevard or something like that. Wait, like are you talking about the or the new one? The, the, I'm talking about well, the 19, the, the one from the 1900s. I don't know that one, but I swear the the one, the recent one, like in the 2000s, yeah, we'll I really thought it. that was like, yeah, I thought that was like by, you know, what's it called? I think it's JFK Boulevard. Well, here's the crazy thing. You said the Parkway, and you were actually right for 1979. Oh, well, it, was actually, right. it was actually... Face uh, it's Logan Circle. Um, they formed an unbroken seat on the Parkway from City Hall to the Art Museum. So I'll give you that. Because oh. actually, you said the Parkway. I'll give you that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, I'll give you that one. <laughs> so, what is the name of Philly soccer team? Lord knows, I didn't even know we had one. Oh, I feel like I know this one. Soccer team, soccer team, soccer team. Dang, hold on. So, what to start with? Uh, it starts with the U, and they play at PPL in Chester. Well, even though it's not Philly, but they play at <laughs> the PPL in Chester. I want to say Philly United. It's called the Union. They're called the Union. Oh, oh yes, it is. Oh, somebody just did an event with the Union. Oh, oh well, man. Good for you that you knew. I didn't even know we had a soccer team. <laughs> Child. Yeah. Uh, okay. Who owns the Liberty Bell? The city of Philadelphia owns the Liberty Bell, yes, but the National Park Service has custody. Okay, now this you should get, or else I'm going to take your Philly card. 
What day of the year does the Mummer, annual Mummers Parade take place? So what day of the year? Yes. New Year's. Okay. I was going to take that card real quick. <laughs> uh, when is Philadelphia Flag Day? When is Flag Day? For Philadelphia. Is it the 14th or something? I swear it's the 14th or something. It's the 27th. I'll give you a hint. But I need Ooh. you to see. All right. If it's a flag day, that means it got to be sunny. And if it's sunny, that means it got to be in the summer. No, no, no. It might be. I'm going I'm, I'm to say it got to be April. March 27th. Oh, that was close, though. It March was. April. It was a little bit. Okay. Last two questions. Name the Fairmount Field destroyed by and rebuilt after Philly's inaugural Made in America concert. So, you know, Made in America has been in Philly for the last, what, when did they start that? Is that? It's still young though, right? Like, it's very five, young. Two. It's very young. So apparently what happened was there was a field that was destroyed and rebuilt. Uh, they made yeah. them rebuild it because of the concert. So what is the Fairmount field? It's in Fairmount. That's a good hint. <laughs> That was my part. No. So, Made in America organizers are now responsible for repairing damage. The concert calls Bon Collin Field. I didn't even get a field called. Listen, they play too much. Don't nobody. (laughs) We call it Fairmount Park. Huh? I'm like, where are these places in Philly at? (laughs) Where's what? Bon Collin? This, this old place that was destroyed. I'm like, I don't know. This probably happened before. I don't know. No, it was in 2012. 2012? <laughs> but I it's called, so, so in Fairmont Park, I'll give you that because you said Fairmont Park, but in they wanted the exact field name because you know Fairmont Park is so big. So in Fairmont oh. Park, there's actually a field called Von Collin Athletic Field, and it was destroyed. Alright. Literally, that is, it's, it's literally closed right now. Thank you, Made in America. Um, okay, so here's your bonus question. I think this is cute. Which street does not intersect Kelly Drive? And people think it does. So I think this is why this question is so cool. Germantown. Main Street. Main Street? It does not intersect. Oh. And you know why you think it does? Because, you know, Kelly Drive gun- goes oh. from Main Street. Oh. So they're like right next to each other. They're parallel, Literally right? next to each other. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so... For those if uh for those who don't know Philly, it's Kelly Drive is one of our most popular Kelly Drive and Lincoln Drive. Most popular drives people take, especially to get to anywhere in the city, is really cool. It connects. Um, but basically Main Street runs parallel to that. And you would think that they intersect at some point, but they they don't. Right. Quiz. It is strange. I wanna say I, I'll give you two. You got two. But okay. I mean, that was eleven questions, friend. You go. No, no, you got three. I gave you the Pope one. I gave you the. You got the Mummers, and you know, I'll give you the the Fairmont Park thing because you did say Fairmont Park. But for friend, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's not a passing grade. <laughs> I'm just saying. But I want to thank you um, for joining me. I appreciate you making the time, carving out the time. Um, I'm honored to have you on the show. I can't wait for people to hear um, the episode. 
And I just pray that you continue to create, um, well, of course, I'm going to pray over you, but just definitely pray that you continue to create great art and do what God has called you to do and be confident in it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I appreciate everything. Um, Why don't you tell people your website, tell them where to follow you at um, on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. I'm actually on all social media platforms at more than Mike D. Um, and I have a website at buymikeg.com. So you can find me there. Yeah, so make sure um, your your Twitter is a little dry, so you're going to have to be tweeting more. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but your, your Instagram is definitely popping, so make sure you guys follow him at more than Mike D. Um, and so if you're ready, I'm just going to pray us out. I'm ready. All right. Father God, I just thank you for this interview. I thank you for Mike and I thank you for the call that is on his life. I'm honored to have him here and I thank you, Lord, that we're able to support each other regardless of what city we're in. I ask that you would continue to open doors for him that no man can shut in this season of his life as he continues to pursue that which you've called him to do. Lord, your word says that if we, um, you'll bless the works of our hands. And so I believe that he's doing what you've called him to do. And I believe that even though he feels like he he should have started sooner, I believe that God can accelerate your career and accelerate your destiny. So I pray acceleration over him. I pray um, all the promises of God over his life. And I pray even being a black man, in Philadelphia, uh, that you will keep him safe and protected. Um, I'm glad that he keeps you at the center of his life. And I believe that that is one of the reasons why he is doing so well. And so I pray that anyone who listens to this podcast will hear the message that we um, shared about Christ. And even if anyone suffering from depression, um, I pray against depression for him, um, that it will never um, overwhelm him. And that when he starts to feel himself sinking, that he will reach up and uh, reach for your hand and call on the name of the Lord, because we know that you are the healer of everything. So bless his business, um, grow it. And I just thank you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 All right, Kazo. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, my. Of course. You thank you. All right. All right, then. I I look forward to the interview, then. Thank you so much. I'm on my way now. All right. See you later. All right. Thank you.